The Timeless Podcast Company present this podcast. In immersive sound design. Let me tell you about how these guys started the tour and how they finished it. In the Peach Fuzz video, which we made an appearance in again. These guys are in their traditional Ansar rule garb. They have on the full white robes, okay? With the, the white kofis, you know, selling oils and books and shit in the video, right? So, you know, I thought that was interesting. That's an interesting, you know, that you really hadn't really seen in hip hop, but that's some real, you know, if you're in the conscious community in New York and you live in New York, you've seen that. You've been on the train and you see these dudes. Now to know that some of them rhyme, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of interesting. So boom, I guess since they was wearing that in the video, right? When they first started the tour, yo, they was wearing that on stage. And I'm telling you, visually, it was isolating. They were isolating themselves visually by wearing that. You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like when you don't come to the people as to the people, you, you appear condescending to them. So to come on stage, you know, at a hip hop show with white robes on, you know, amongst a crowd who is <laughs> definitely not wearing white robes. Yeah. You just want to you want to come to the people as the people and you don't want to scare them off. So I feel like it was a little weird. You know, I remember me and actually like, damn, they that you know, they're going to wear that on stage type of shit like and, and what's crazy is they would get off stage and then take it off. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, damn, like, so you're wearing that just to be on stage, huh? So we didn't really say nothing to them about it, though, you know. But again, they're looking, they're looking at us and they're looking up to us. And we are ripping these fucking shows down. <laughs> fucking, you know, we wearing polo shit. We wearing like whatever the fuck we want to wear. Just regular shit, you know what I mean? Regular hats and jeans and t-shirts and hoodies and all of this type of shit. And you know, and we fucking with broads. And, I mean, we doing it all. We smoke weed on the bus. We drinking 40s, you know what I mean? We're kind of a bad influence. I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know what I mean? In a certain way, we were kind of a bad influence when it came to like, just being like, ah, loosen up, man. Like you can still have knowledge, but just loosen the fuck up, you know? So at some point, I remember they ended up doing a show where they did not wear the robes. Like eventually they took the robes off during the tour. They just started wearing their regular gear on stage and got a much better response when they did that too. 
not that they were getting booed or anything like that, but I think it, you know, it was just a little like, huh? At first for the crowd. But then it was like, oh yeah, these are the guys that sing that song. And I do like that song. So I'm gonna go along with it. But once they just dressed regular, it was much better for their stage presence. <laughs> but then <laughs> they went even a little further and I guess they started, they saw us smoking weed and doing all the, you know. And so they said, okay, we're not gonna go that far, but how can we loosen up in like a biblical way? Um, this is what I'm thinking they're thinking in their mind. <laughs> so what do they do? They, <laughs> they start drinking wine. <laughs> they, <laughs> they start drinking red wine. <laughs> on some biblical, we're gonna get biblically <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> but yo, it helped. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not bullshit you not. The shit fucking helped. Like, they definitely, it loosened them up. But they wasn't gonna go no further than that wine and shit, you know what I mean? Like, like I might even offered them up there, like, nah, we're not gonna smoke the weed or whatever, but you know what I mean? I was like, you know, at one point it was like, are y'all drinking wine? I was like, yeah, God, we got, yeah. Oh, shit, okay. Like, and so I just saw a transformation happen. Um, and I'm being told it, 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 it happened in Atlanta is when they started to change and just loosen up their tie a little bit and be like, this is hip hop. And what happened when they were on the road was they transformed. They became more aware, more conscious of how their message was perceived, how they saw themselves, and how the hip hop community saw them. And as they came home, they recognized that the second album maybe needed a different tone, a different timbre. Breaking news, this has just come in. DJ Subrock of the rap group KMD has been pronounced dead. There's an ongoing investigation and details are still unconfirmed. What we do know is that authorities were called to the scene at 2 a.m. last night. The news of DJ Subrock's death did not move as quickly as news does today because there was no social media. Esoteric shares how he heard the news. The passing of Subrock, the tragic, tragic passing of Subrock was a major deal for fans of hip hop, fans of KMD, but the information back then traveled a lot slower. I would get my news from the source or rap pages. There was no social media, there wasn't even the internet to spread rumors that way. For it to get to me, I was just devastated by the loss. I was devastated as a fan. I was wondering what was gonna happen with KMD. Brand Nubians, Grand Poobah Maxwell. And I was like, sure, oh my God. That was like one of the first ones like in the industry where, you know what I mean? A brother who passed who was a peer, you know what I'm saying? So that, that was kind of rough. I mean, I, I, and it was just, that was a sad, that was a sad moment. Brand new being Sadat X. All right, upon, uh, upon Sub Rock's death, how I really found out about it, I think somebody called me because judging back, back then, it wasn't really too much social media or stuff like that. It was still, you know, you get a, somebody call you or you get a sky page or whatever it was at the time. And somebody had told me, I was bewildered because they was like, uh, you know, he he was on the train tracks or, or, or the train or something like that. And I just was trying to figure out like what went on with that. That made me realize like certain individuals, sometimes they go through things you never know about or, you know, uh, you know, it just was a loss. It was a shock because, you know, they definitely was label mates, man. And to hear something about that, 
you know, from somebody you you you, you see kind of daily, it was definitely a shock. Ben Klingon, longtime family friend of MF Doom and the CM fam from Uptown, shares his personal thoughts and feelings. When Subrock died, I had seen Doom once or twice, but weren't friends with him like tight yet. Right at the time when Subrock died is when we were in the same place at the same time more, which was the park, right when it happened. Immediately during that time, that's when we became family. Like we already was associates. I'd seen them before once or twice. We do, yo, what up type shit. But when we became friends, family like that is right at that time. Here's Dell, the funky homo sapien of the mighty hieroglyphics crew to share his memories and thoughts not only Subrock's passing, but the funeral. Man, I found out just through word, because I wasn't around when when it happened, you know what I'm saying? I just heard. So, you know, motherfuckers used to get so fucked up. You know what I'm saying? When you young, you lose in touch with reality. Shit still be kind of magical around that time, you know what I'm saying? So you might start thinking that you can do shit that you can't really do in your mind, you know what I'm saying? Because I remember that shit. You could lose touch with shit. Now, I'm not saying that's what happened, you know what I'm saying? But I know we used to be fucked up, like super fucked up, like off psychedelics, all kind of shit, you know what I'm saying? What I remember about the funeral, man, uh, uh, I went to the wake, actually, you know what I'm saying? What I remember about it, I was crying the whole time. The main thing I remember, I was just distraught, you know what I mean? So that's the main thing I remember, how terrible it was in my mind. I just couldn't believe it. Here's Cotty, one of the originating members of the CM fam. Off the top, I'm just guessing that it was, um, I probably was in George's house and it was just crazy. Like, what do you mean he died? You know what I'm saying? What happened? Oh, he got found on the highway. What do you mean he got found on the highway? Like, what are you talking about? He got killed, he got shot, he got ran over. We're not sure, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Da, da, da. So I know it was weird. That's the first thing I could say, because it was it, it wasn't enough detail. Like, are you sure it's Subrock? Are you sure Subrock is there? You know who you're talking about. Like, like, cause it was like I said, it was missing detail. So it was like, what the fuck you mean he's dead? How'd he die? What did I, I don't know? I don't know. He's found on the highway. Yeah, it sounds crazy, B. So whatever. So I guess, you know. Once it gets figured out, it was just like, yeah, I don't know, this shit is weird. We had gotten really cool. Um, and uh, I don't know, then it's like I just skipped to go into the, to the wake. I know I've mentioned a couple of times CM Fam, and some of you might know what that is or even who that is, but some of you might not. The CM Fam is the constipated monkeys crew, the crew of MCs and talented producers that would frequently surround and be around Curious George. The constipated monkeys crew was really started by Lord Sear and Curious George as a way for the guys from uptown to have a crew of MCs, DJs, and producers that they felt were all part of the same neighborhood, same area, and thought and felt the same way. Being from uptown has a certain flavor, a certain vibe, and that was epitomized by the music that Curious George was making and the people that were around him in the mid-1990s. Here's Cotty to explain a little bit more about Doom coming uptown. 
The next day that I saw Doom after Subrock's passing was probably the next day or the day after. He was part of the CM family and he was just staying with George. Probably like damn near roommates at that time. You know, George had a couple of roommates at that time. I know I was probably one of them, but uh, we lived in the same building so I could just go up and down to my mom's crib you know, shower, whatever, boom, come back to George's because that's how easy it was. It was in the same building. It wasn't like a hiatus from me or George with Doom, you know what I'm saying? Because we were in a good place. So if anything, it's probably right back to George's crib and, and we just keep it on trying to figure out what else is going on, you know? Trying to get past it and continue to do music and continue to try to figure out the next step. Here's another member of the CM fam and legendary MC, Prince Powell. Uh, the first time I heard about Subrock dying was in uh, in George's house. Besides whatever happened out there with his brother and all that, he just even became more closed in and, 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 and not very engaging. Here's the originator of the CM family lamb, an MC, Curious George. That's one thing I recall. We, he was always working, always working. He have, he have that um that marble composition book with him all the time, and that MPC and the SP12 in my crib all the time. Okay, yeah, the second album was Black Bastards, and by that time, Doom would be in my house a lot, like during that whole period. Like, you know, he'd be staying with me, going to Electra from from my crib. You know what I'm saying? Since I'm in Manhattan, it's closer. He, we'd be chilling. So, um, yeah, man. He, he so so we would record. We recorded smoking that shit and uh rich keller's crib out in jersey i forgot what part of jersey it was and uh i want to say it's like right over the bridge but i'm not sure but anyway he had a crib out there in the studio beat nuts used to work out of there too and uh we were all there chilling me Lorsier, um who else is on that record earthquakes uh everybody there you know and uh dropped the vocals man we twisted and have fun and dropped the vocals and that album i remember him you know really working on that record and uh you know all the of course all the uh, red tape and shit here's ben grimm aka ben klingon talking about how much zev love x connected to harlem yeah i remember doing living uptown you know what i'm saying he, he he lived at home he had a crib but he 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 stayed in the city a lot he wanted to be in the city for whatever reasons he wanted to be in the city and yes he lived uptown and yes i remember him living in you know around the way, like you were saying, you know, at George's crib and all that. I remember he always on a move, like, anything that he, where he was living uptown. I think what it is is, not what it is, not what I think what it is, but what it is is that, you know, Bill had a connection with, with, with uptown anyways. The way he think, the way he moved, us Harlem cats, us Upper West Side cats, we all, we all share certain things that we, the way we move and the way we think. Not to take away from any other borough or anything like that, not like that. I think it's more of a New York thing, but he maneuvered like an uptown brother and he held it down and he had he had nice, nice spots uptown and we got busy and got a lot of stuff done in them spots uptown. And I remember those times was really good times of, of real building and in that movement of getting that doomsday started. In the midst of DJ Subrock's death, Zev Love X gets hit with another blow, this time at the hands of Electra Records and their response to the artwork and the album Black Bastards. Here's Electra label mate Del the Funky Homo Sapien and his perspective on the issue. I was there. I mean, I pretty much was there all the time, you know what I'm saying? So up until that point, I had just heard. You know what I'm saying? I was at Subrock's funeral too, you know what I'm saying? So. 
I was just around, so I knew, I, I was aware of the happenings. You know what I mean? I was there in the thick of it. It was disappointing. You know, the whole thing was just terrible. You feel know I me? Mean? Just, just a tragedy to tell you the truth. I was around Doom around this, that time. You know what I'm saying? He was not taking none of it well. You know what I'm saying? We went out to to a club or something one night after all this, and like he got so mad, we was trying to catch a cab. And the cab kept going and shit. You know how they do in New York and shit. So he started beating on the cab and shit, beating on the roof of it and shit, and like trying to break the windshield. I'm like, chill, chill, chill. You know what I mean? But I, I got it though. Like he still was like, just hella hurt by the whole shit. Everybody was hurt, man. It just seemed like, uh, like a, like a stand by me moment or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Here's Cut Monitor Milo from Leaders of the New School. It was definitely concerning because they sounded all in when we signed these contracts. And then as things go, went on, you know, different situations caused them to move differently. Um, Leaders of the New School second album, Time, The Inner Mind's Eye, had to be pushed back because the first album leaked. I don't know if everybody knows that, but it was out. So we went back to the studio and did new records. So the records that you hear now as time was the second album, not necessarily the first. So we had our own issues with Elektra. Things were starting to come to the light after the situation with KMD. Leaders of the new schools, Dinko D. Well, around the time we both going through things. I remember going to um, Subrock's funeral in Long Island, actually, in Roosevelt. It was very, you know, that was one of the first artist friends, you know, that we knew or came up with that passed, you know. And we just came off of tours and we was on the, the Daylight tour over in the West Coast. You know, we was doing dates all over the place together here and there. And we were just getting really close, so it was, it was a very sad time for us at the label, but we was both going through stuff at the label that was that was crazy at the time, you know. I remember it, it just being really, it was really a rough period and just seeing, you know, seeing the KMD f our family going through what they was going through in Zev, it was just like, you know, and we were still on tour and hot and doing stuff, so it was just like, it was hard to take, man. I couldn't, you know, it was, it was, it was a definite blow. Did I ever tell you the one about MF Doom Podcast is a Timeless Podcast Company production. Executive produced by Chantel Barron, Michael Barron, and Eric DJ Eclipse Win. Co-produced and mixed by Brett Epic-Mazer. Sound design and sound editing by Nick Diggler-Davila. Research director, Miles J. Barron. Senior creative director, Martin Orton for Poison Pen Graphics. Graphic design director, Shai Harari for H1 Media. Featuring Ben Klingon, Dell of the Hieroglyphics Crew, Dimbaza Dumale, Dinko D of Leaders of the New School, Graham Pupa Maxwell, Jason DeMarco, Just Blaze, Curious George, Cotty, Lionel the Vid Kid Martin, Lord Jamal, Lord Sear, Miles Brown, MF Grimm, Milo from Leaders of the New School, Onyx the Birthstone Kid of KMD, Prince Power Rule, Ralph McDaniels, Talib Kwali, Tanji Dumale, Tom Brown, Wild Child, Yasin Bey, Young Guru. Special thanks to the city of Long Beach, Mark Healy in the Rockaway Wave, Far Rockaway Queens, New York, Brandon G, Tom Wheelie, Ben King, Stephen S. Sidman, and Video Music Box. Timeless podcast sound design voiceover, Tembisa Mashaka. Music cues and scoring for this podcast have been provided by Portal. That's P-R-T-L. Music comes in all vibes, so lo-fi should too. 
Welcome to Portal, the world's first lo-fi music in all genres for all types of music fans. Whether you love hip-hop, reggaeton, country, alt-rock, EDM, or even bassa, Portal has lo-fi vibes to match your music tastes. Find Portal on YouTube or Spotify or anywhere you listen to lo-fi. Portal, P-R-T-L, lo-fi for every vibe.